the optimal life. Tyler Harkins, what's up, man? How you been? I'm doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on here. So what's life like when you start getting out into the real world after after those fun college days at Ohio University and uh, the college parties kind of get, you know, it goes away and it's time to get into the real world and you start trying to figure out how did how did you start knowing, saying to yourself, hey, I want to get involved in tech and, and start an app. Where did that all begin? Yeah, so first off, going to Ohio University and then stepping into the real world is the biggest sham of all time because nothing will ever be like it, right? Um, my roommates and I, you know, we were looking for jobs, kind of putting around, doing, um, you know, job interviews and whatnot, and I just really didn't find anything I was super passionate about. And then I ended up wanting to go play professional hockey after um, my senior season, but with COVID happening, I wanted to go over to Sweden. There were some deals that weren't able to uh, come full circle, I guess. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go do corporate. I'm going to stay involved with hockey. And then the reason I bring that up is because I realized that I wasn't making money, you know, 24 hours a day. I wasn't making money while I was sleeping. I was trying to figure out how do I make money while I sleep with hockey. So that's where I came up with the idea of GoTrain. GoTrain was an online training platform for athletes to teach other athletes. Because I was like, well, if I could figure out a way to monetize um, my content while I'm sleeping, you know, I can maybe try and make a living out of this. I ended up not really, we ended up having some meetings with, you know, some pretty high level people. And they were like, well, is this just a training app? Or are you guys looking big picture? My team and I went back to the drawing board and, and came up with access. And yeah, we wanted it to be more exclusive content for all waves of, uh, of athletes and sports. So you were just like, hey, I want to find ways to make this residual income. That was really your driving force behind the whole thing. I want to yeah. sleep at night and be able to build a business, build revenues, build income while not even technically working. Whereas in coaching, you could only really make that money when you're coaching those players, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're trading dollars for hours, essentially. Exactly. And then you're subject to at least me with the rink, right? The rink's not open 24 hours a day or kids are in school, right? So you have to deal with high school hockey, hockey teams like St. Ed's having their practice, Team Ohio having their practice during when, you know, I, I want to be training kids. So it was just, how do I, how do I make this work here? When did you start playing hockey? Yeah, I probably, uh, probably like three or four was when I first started getting it going. I come from a pretty big hockey background, so it's kind of in my blood, like right off the rip. Wow. So you've had a hockey stick in your hand since three years old. That's what yeah. it takes to really get to an elite level, correct? I mean, you ended up going all the way through high school and then playing. Were you on scholarship at OU? Uh, I was not on scholarship at OU. There were some kids on scholarship. Um, but OU, with it being club, it was more like certain people got it for certain reasons. It wasn't necessarily athletic-based fully. Oh, so it was a club team. Yeah. What's the For people that don't know, what's the difference between a club team versus a standard NCAA team, for lack of a better term? Right. So like we got our funding through boosters and, and people like within the area that supported the organization, the program, whereas like NCAA will get it from their school, uh, funding from their school. At OU though, we were lucky enough, we did get some funding from our school. So our school kind of helped us out um, when we need it or when we needed it. What's but the commitment? Like, commitment, same thing. I mean, we were waking up, we had 7 a.m. workouts, right? We had practices at then you go through a whole slate of school and then you have practice at three. 
um, you know, every weekend you're playing games. And the cool thing about like club hockey is we played almost double the amount of like NCAA D3 games. And that was a whole, that was kind of a driving force between my decision is I don't really love the practice, but I loved like playing the games. And we started from maybe like week two of being on campus all the way until uh, mid-March. So that was fun for me. What is the conditioning program for a hockey player? Like high school wise and then into college, is it is it what you similar to the running and lifting or is it different since you guys are on skates? Yeah, so they say like no shape will ever emulate hockey shape. It doesn't matter what you do. You can ride the bike, you can go on runs, you can do all the squat workouts, but nothing's like it until you get the boots on and start skating around. So I just tried to make sure when I was playing, whether it was high school or college, I was skating throughout the summer. Uh, and then, you know, you really ramp it up probably two weeks before training camp. And then, I mean, once you hit training camp with your team anyways, they run you into the ground. So you have no choice but to get up to speed. Mm. So it's 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 not just putting skates on. There's a whole conditioning program behind it as well. Yeah, correct. And I mean, in the summer, right, and you're, you're doing your you're doing your squat workouts, you got to make sure you're on the bike because the bike is the closest thing, closest thing that can really um, – like I said, emulate the skating, mm-hmm. running more for your, you know, for your breathing, for your cardio. But yeah, your your leg muscles burn when you skate, no matter if you've been skating every day before training camp or you took three months off, it doesn't really matter. And is the training back in college, I remember the Miami, Ohio, I went to Miami. I remember the team there, the hockey team there was always, it, it must've been a club team too, if OU was, right? No, they, they had both, they had NCAA D1. Oh, they did, okay. Yeah, because I remember those guys were super – I mean, that was their whole life. It was almost like just being a wrestler or part of the football or basketball team. Like, that was college for them. Was mm-hmm. Is that how mm-hmm. it was for you, or did you have a little more balance? Um, I mean, we were either on the road every weekend or, you know, playing home games every weekend. I mean, truly, with our, with the club season being as long as it was, you were, you were playing hockey, it felt like, 24-7. So what was the party life like for you? Yeah, so party party life was like Saturday. We play games Friday, Saturday, and you would, you know, hopefully sweep. We were pretty good when I went there. And then after Saturday night, you get to the pregame. And then you're going on Court Street and just having a time. Um, Sundays were kind of our hockey team days, though. Like you know, we all go watch football, like get the whole team together, watch football at the bar, and and kind of have fun. Everyone was, everyone was hungover on Sunday, so they just decided to be hungover together. Exactly, exactly. But then we had workouts at 7 a.m. on Monday, so it's like you better not sleep in or, or do something too dumb. But, yeah, we were uh, we were pretty structured. Looking back at, at college, I mean, you went to OU, which is known for the Halloween. But everyone that goes there, like, goes there like, oh, Halloween's overrated. You know, you guys are there every single day. Um, but w- what was Halloween like for you? Was it as wild and crazy as everyone makes it out to be, or was it just another weekend? Yeah, so we got to do Halloween one weekend being on the hockey team. There was one weekend we finally convinced our coach, hey, we need this off because we would always have road games during the weekend. We usually go to Illinois or Iowa State um, just to get us away from campus, right? But it was it was fun. It was definitely when people come from out of town and visit, it's a lot more chaotic because they don't know really the lay of the land and everyone thinks it's like, oh, it's OU, let's just go be menaces for two or three days and nothing matters. But obviously there's repercussions uh, that come with those decisions. Mm, there sure are, man. Did you ever make it, did you ever make it to OU? I did, I was actually there for uh, OU several times and I was there for Halloween weekend. I remember that they gave us some kind of um, bracelet maybe 
and we could only go to certain places. You couldn't go. It was restricted areas. I mean, it, for people that don't know, it's a whole, it's like a whole Mardi Gras experience in little Athens, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It was wild. It was a Did wild. Did you ever make it there for a fest season? Um, Maybe. Maybe. Was that where all the bands play? So fest was like where they would shut down an entire street from, say, 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. They would do mill fest. They would do high fest, Congo fest, Palmer fest. Um, and in the springtime, you just kind of wait for the weekend because you're, it's so much fun just to get everyone together in the school for the whole day, block off the streets. Dude, I, I, as you could tell, I don't remember a whole lot of my <laughs> – there were some fuzzy times in my college days. You, I had to get it out of my system. It was just party, party, party. You're finally free. You're independent. Your parents are not here to tell you yes or no. Um and uh, I, I probably shouldn't have gone away when I did. I, I needed a good two years of like maturing mm-hmm. and some introspection and before even going away to college. I didn't do that, obviously. I went away at 18 and um, treated it like it was a fret party 24-7 the first couple of years. So it's funny you mentioned that because two, I took two years off after high school and I went and played junior hockey. So I lived in uh, Wisconsin. I lived in Vancouver. I lived in Amarillo, Texas, and I went and played for three teams in two years. Um, did the whole billet family thing. So there's like, you know, adults in my life that aren't even my blood family, but it feels like I'm their family because I lived with them for, you know, a year. And if I would have gone to college at 18, I, it, my life would definitely be different and probably not in a better way. I needed that time to mature. And I recommend, you know, to everyone, should I go play junior hockey or should I take that time off? I tell my sisters even you should take a gap year before going to school and I don't think they're going to take my advice on it, but it definitely helped me. Dude, I totally agree. And that's the fact that you actually live that. That's the perfect example. I, I just think that especially today's day, I felt this way 20 years ago, especially today with kids coming up, growing up in a digital era, being exposed to so many different things, places, people, I just don't think we're emotionally intelligent enough to just go off to college. Some of us do, obviously, but there's a large portion of people that are just going off and they're just doing it to do it. They're using it as a social experience, a time to get away. And so many people use it in the wrong manners, whether they end up getting doing too much drinking, getting involved in other things they shouldn't be getting involved with you know not going to class not caring about how do, how do you at 18 years old care about waking up at eight in the morning or seven in the morning and go to psych class or economics 101 whatever it is when you've got like you're like especially now where you're like hey i see my friend who's a social media person making thousands or this person i idolize who's 25 killing it and i'm sitting here in class like how how do you motivate somebody these days to do to even do that you guys probably had to experience some of that yeah i would say so i mean like i said obviously going in not 18 i was under a pretty um tight like regimen of you had to be at your like when i was playing junior hockey you had to be at your meetings if you weren't there 15 minutes early you were 10 minutes late right and it was kind of the structure of how hockey is kind of molded me into you know more so the person i am but i agree if someone if i was going into school now and i'm looking at these tiktok stars and seeing the money they're making or the youtubers what is the driving force between wanting to go and get a nine to five and wanting to go not live life on my terms? It. Everybody realizes freedom is so essential. Now people don't care as much about money as they used to. 
give me just enough to get by, you know, give me enough where I could maybe pay my rent. Um, maybe even stay with a, you know, share rent with a friend for quite a few years. Give me enough where I can go have a few drinks, have my food covered. I don't need much else. I want right. to work on my freedom. I want my free time. I want to be like, you know, like you're, you're doing like Tyler and, and your friends are doing. I want to go create an app. I want to be entrepreneurial, but I want to do it on my time. I want to be able to take my laptop anywhere in the world, post up and still be able to make the same money I am if I was, you know, grinding away. So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that trading dollars for hours. I feel like now people are just looking to, to have that freedom and flexibility more so than ever. It's, it's mind blowing. My parents and our, our parents' generation, it's mind blowing for them to even understand what, what this all is. <laughs> I'm sure you have in the podcast too. Do they get that? You know what? Uh, thinking back to that, um, I think that they were, four, this goes back four and a half years ago when I told them, hey, I'm starting a podcast. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're like, what the, what does that mean? Like, what is that? You're starting a radio show? What is this? Are you going into radio? You have a career with our family business. What are you talking about? Like, it was right. probably one of those mentalities. And, of course, now they get it and they see that they see what it is and, and they understand it. But, yeah, you know, I think I think digital has really changed the way people think, feel, act, behave. Their ambitions in life are different now than they were 20 years ago. See, I was I, I had so many distractions when I was in college. And, dude, we didn't even have social media yet. Right. Like we just were starting. When I went off to college in 99, we were just starting. I mean, Facebook wasn't anything yet. Um, MySpace wasn't. I mean, there was really no social media yet. I think it was when I was graduating, more cl- like 2003, 2004. Zuckerberg had just started doing like college to college, you know, the Facebook, how it all started. I think that was right as I was graduating. And I was like, damn, dude, that would have been fun to do when I was here. Of course, I'm graduating now. Little did we know 20 years later or 18 years, whatever, it, what, what it would turn into. Yeah, it's part, of, it's part of your everyday life. It's like if you're not on it, you know, what are you doing? It's funny you mentioned your parents kind of saying, well, are you joining, Are you starting a radio show or what are you actually doing with this? Because that was such a, you know, kind of an issue I had to deal with within my family when I was starting um, when I was moving forward with access, there wasn't the support at the beginning. It was like, well, why aren't you, why aren't you getting a real job? Why aren't you, you know, why are you being a dreamer? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And then, you know, obviously you just got to keep rolling with it, show that you're actually dedicated it, show that you actually are passionate about it. And then, um, you know, I got some people on board that I never thought would be on board um, with my decision. So yeah, you got to show that you're super, you know, you care about it. It's not just, Oh, I'm doing this just to say I'm doing it. Um, and then, you know, it's one of those things that dies in three to four months, right? You got to be persistent and you got to show you want it. So, yeah, let's get into that. You talk about people that do believe in you and starting to formulate a team. Who is on your team and, and how did you start bringing in the, the this team together? How does that work? How did that evolve? Right. Yeah. So my the first person that jumped in with me was my partner, Garrett Jenkins. He, uh, we were roommates at OU. We kind of always knew that we wanted to get you know, get together and do something. We didn't really know what that was going to be. Uh, super intelligent kid, got a lot of jam. I knew that he's probably someone I want on my team. So I would say we formed the team together as well. So us two. Um, and then I looked at, you know, my dad's a business man, 
own sold companies. So there's no one better to look at than him. But he was also the first guy that was like, well, what, what is this? What does this even mean? You're trying to do social media, you know, didn't understand it. Uh, eventually got him on board. He redirected us to hit, you know, one of his buddies that's actually building out our app, building out our application. Um, his name's Dan Carbone. He works for Verdium, just part of the rock companies. Um, so Dan Gilbert invested in their company. And so we've got our whole development team sent. We've got our we've got our back end development team sent. We've got our front end as we, you know, we're kind of building that out. We've got a couple of different advisors that have been really instrumental in helping us make decisions. And I mean, we've got meetings all the time, talking with people, people are interviewing, seeing if they're the right fit. And those are tough decisions because it's like I'm a 26 year old kid telling, you know, 40 year old men, 50 year old men, hey, I don't really think we want you on the on the team, or maybe we do want you on the team. So it's kind of a lot of growing up really quickly here. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, so you've got this team that's forming. T tell us a little bit. Let's go right to what, exactly what Access is. Tell us what the app does and what you're intending to get out of it. Right. So we're building a platform that is a different vertical of Patreon. Patreon does a lot of the arts, um, a lot of podcasters. It's a way for people to monetize their content. So Access is an exclusive is uh, a content subscription-based platform for exclusive content, right? So if you have a if you have a profile, you can go in, sign up. You can post your content. Um, you have to say you have to be under the athletic realm of whatever it may be, whether that's working out, whether that's nutrition, whether that's sports training. Um, you post content. You then share this content behind a paywall through up to other social media sites say, hey, why don't you come follow me on Access, right? So it gives other people a chance to say, okay, I'm following maybe my favorite creator here, but I know that they're putting more exclusive content on the Access channel. Let's go give it a look there. And you can, you know, you can support your favorite athletes, your favorite trainers. Um, and this doesn't have to be just celebrities, correct? This could be anybody. Correct, yeah. And I feel like that was, that was something that we noticed was a hole in this market because we're not the first to ever do this. We won't be the last either, but... A lot of these social media companies and platforms make it so you have to have a minimum. They try and say you have to be someone to be able to earn, um, you know, money off of your content. And we've just nullified, you know, that that minimum requirement. So let me see if I understand you. And, and I think you articulated it really well and simply because that's what people need these days. Everything's so hard to understand with all these new technologies. I am a weightlifter or an, uh, some type of fitness influencer. I've got a thousand followers on Instagram, maybe a thousand on Twitter, whatever. Yeah. I want to start getting paid for providing some new new content, some more exclusive content that I'm not putting out necessarily, or I just haven't put it out because I haven't been incentivized to put it out. Now I have Access Network, which will allow me to put out exclusive content in exchange for a monthly membership fee from the other followers how does mm -hmm. that yeah that you can set, you can set a monthly subscription fee you can make it so the videos are free but people can tip you you can make it so that your videos cost um say three dollars per five dollars per i put a lot of work into this this is you know the holy grail of everything here's fifty dollars for this video so and yeah, will the people be able to see it like how long does a video last what is the requirement yeah, so we're not making it a requirement. Obviously, Instagram has gone into, you know, they have short film uh, reels. 
that does a lot um that does a lot of traction but if someone has you know who wants to make their video 20 minutes long they absolutely can so we're not trying to make too many restrictions on people we want to make them free-flowing and, and whatever the creator wants to do and the creator gets to choose has the full flexibility to, to create their own price yes or is, is it set based upon number of followers no yeah total flexibility whatever they want however they want to do it interesting Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm thinking out loud as you're talking, how that's going to, what's going to be more popular. I mean, I'm sure, I know you guys are running a beta, mm -hmm. but I wonder what the perfect length is going to be because I feel like if I'm paying for $5 to see this video and it's only 15 seconds, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant to pay $5. You know, oh, totally, totally. But, but if you're putting out a video five minutes and there's valuable stuff in there, you know, somebody that's doing shoulder rehab or something or, you know, shoulder stretches, whatever. Uh, along those lines that I could actually use and, and get something out of, then I'm going to be willing to pay. I wonder if you guys, do you have an inkling in, in what like the uh, normal video length is going to be, or is it too early to tell? Yeah. So a lot of that will be um, restructured after our beta launch. We'll be able to see those KPIs and track all the metrics. Um, we have kind of a thought, a rough draft and we've, you know, but it's like throwing, you know, it's, it's, it's hard it doesn't to tell. I thought, yeah. yeah, it's hard to tell until we have it. So again, back to the, the functionality. So you've got people that are subscribing. Are they, how do you get seen on your network if you're not being followed? Like if, I, if I've got 100 followers, how do I end up getting to 200 followers through your network or do I have to do it through other social media platforms? Right, yeah, so I... The thing that access brings to the table is just a way for people to pay you for your content, right? So you could be posting all of your stuff on Instagram, or you could still be posting your content on Instagram and using hashtags and following people within the community and, you know, commenting on videos that align with yours, right? So you're trying to build your following, but you're trying to build your following on your private or in your public social media, which would be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, TikTok and you want to bring them over to your private channel of access, right? So you're just doing, it's convincing. But um, another way you can get seen on access is our top creators will have a leaderboard. So there will be, you know, creator one to creator, hopefully, you know, 10,000, 50,000, whatever that number may be. So you can get seen on that leaderboard and people can come across your page. And I'm looking at this now as we speak, my friend. So bear with me here. So you're saying because I'm on your uh, website, accessnetwork.com, and that's A-X-C-E-S-S, network.com. How it works, number one, find your favorite athletes. And again, when you say athletes, this could be anybody. This is not just LeBron James. Uh, number two, subscribe to their channel. So you have an option to then subscribe. And anyone can go to the website right now and see this for themselves. And then you've got three, access exclusive content which we've just talked about messaging, live stream, posts. So the content can be more than just a video. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. And so then you said, um, you said leaderboard, which made me realize that because I was looking at this. So it says here, fan engagement, compete on our leaderboard. Dig into that one. How, how does that all work? Yeah. So we believe in with, with the research we've done, right? Like, Athletes love to compete. They want to showcase that they're the best, right? 
Um, it's just a human nature. So we thought, why not bring it to social? You, it's hard to tell like who has the number one amount of, in, or who's the fifth place person on Instagram, who has the top five most followers. I don't know, maybe you can Google it, but we're gonna be able to specifically show, um, we're gonna be specifically able to show people where they stand against other creators. And uh, and so that so that incents them to then, it really is just a way to be seen. It, it's a way to be seen, and we are building out uh, technologies and purpose and process that's going to you know essentially reward them for their 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 uh, standing. So let me ask you this, because this is what drives me crazy, even about the podcast world. If you're not in the top hundred on Apple Podcasts. It's very rare that they're recommending you. You know, it takes a while to get pushed out to other people. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with Instagram. The same is true with Facebook. Everything, you know, the top the top dog gets fatter and, and happier every single day while everyone else is, is never seen. You have all these people that are that have potential but never get seen. So looking down in the crystal ball when you've got all these followers, Tyler, and people yep. that are coming on, and you've got a leaderboard with, I don't know how many people are going to be seen on it, but how do you continue? I'm sure that you guys have talked about this. How do you incent the little guy, the middle guy to, to continue to work hard when every time they go on, all they see is uh, Jake Paul at the top of the leaderboard? Right. Yeah. So we're not, the good thing about us, I guess, and why we're not trying to go the big, big tech route is we're not trying to make it so that we're burying the little guy. Um, obviously, it is what it is. If you have more followers and you're getting more money than the next person, you're going to climb up that rank um, on the social media platform. But we're not we're not biased. I guess the only time that it's biased, but it's but it's proven by their amount of followers and the amount of money they make is when they show up on that leaderboard. But the leaderboard won't stop at 100. We will have the ability to make that leaderboard go on and on and on as long as you want. Okay, and then you've got, um, just looking here down the website a little further, it looks like uh, earnings calculator for anyone that wants to see the homepage for creators. And you've got these toggle bars, number of followers, subscription price, and conversion rate. What, what exactly is this showing? Right, so the earnings calculator showcases the amount of followers that you, you have in your social media channels. Um, if you scroll down to subscription price, that's, okay, well, I'm charging you know, $20, to my 500,000 followers. But when you bring it down to a conversion rate, you're not gonna have all 100 or 500,000 followers follow you on on your access, right? So what is the conversion rate on that? If you bring your conversion rate to, and I'll walk through people through the numbers, number of followers, 500,000, subscription price, 20, and say you convert, you know, two of those, you can make $200,000 per month. Tyler, you're incentivizing. Remember I was talking about how can an 18-year-old want to go to psych class at 8 a.m. or Econ 101? We're making it even harder right now. There you go. (laughs) You don't have have to convince, right? You don't have to convince all 500,000 followers. You just got to convince 2%. You're going to convince 1%. You even convince 1% of those 500,000 followers. For $7 a month, you can make $35,000 a month extra. Let's talk about threats. Because this takes balls, this takes courage, this takes time, money, a lot of, a lot of sweat equity, of course, to get into something like this. So, to even have the courage to say, "Let's go," I believe in this thing. I believe in this model. There's so many things out there. Why do you think 
number one, did you ever wonder if Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, was doing something like this, TikTok? And number two, is that a concern? Like, hey, can they just come in and do this and squash us right away? Right. So we, when we started thinking about this last year, obviously there was the rumblings of Twitter blue or, or Instagram was going to have a way that you could tip your creators. Um, so there's that. We did understand that that was coming. But Instagram and Twitter can't completely or probably would not, I'm not going to give definitives, but probably would not completely change their business model, right? So what I mean by that is they can't make it so that you have to subscribe to everyone to see their content because they've already showcased that it's for free. The other thing is though, and how we differentiated ourselves is if you have a hundred followers on Instagram, you can't qualify for their new uh, technology or if you have 100 followers on twitter blue you cannot qualify to earn um, money so we wanted to make sure that everyone had the ability to do it so yes i i understand that but uh, so what happens like how do you you're you're in this beta phase you've got the technology in place are you confident that hey, when this thing launches, the technology's ready to go? Um, are you concerned that maybe there's an issue where that, that, that's been over? Like, like, how do you end up taking something now and you've got the technology, you got the testing, how do you know when it's actually fully ready to hit market? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, the, in the business world, though, there's a couple, in the tech world, there's a couple of different ways to look at it, right? Do you want to try and be first to market or do you want to leave the first best impression? I think we're going to hit um, a happy medium of both. I believe that our tech that we're building right now will be one of the best in the market, um, hands down. So I think if anything, that's probably the best. Um, the best thing about us is our tech is going to be built to not crash. It's going to be built to withhold hundreds of thousands of um, profiles and users on the platform. And then how do you guys get, do you guys take a percentage of the, of the money? How do you guys make the money? Yeah, we do take a percentage of the money. Um, depends on if you were referred by someone or if you were um, just straight up, you know, came across our page in general. But yeah, we'll get a percentage. The creator will get a percentage. If that creator starts referring to other people, then, you know, say the other people will give some of the, some of the percentage that they were originally going to get back to access to the creator that referred to them, referred them uh, to us. So there's a bunch of different ways for, you know, money to come in here. And you also said that you're confident about the tech. So talk to us a little bit about this is something, let's get a little geeky with this stuff, if you, whatever you're willing to share. To, to even start, like when people want to start an app and they say, I've got the idea, I've got all my notes down on paper, I've got it drawn out, I've got drawings, I've got the whole thing, but I have no idea who to contact, how to execute, how to get this thing going. How does somebody start and get in contact with a, an app developer and how does it go from there? Yeah, so luckily we we had a connection, right? And I do think that some of these things go smoother if you have a connection. Um, but yeah, so you end up meeting with the developer and you explain to them the entirety of the idea and they tell you, hey, we want to bring you on because we think this is a good idea or you know, we're not really interested in moving forward with you and, and your idea. So they're obviously taking a risk as well. Granted, they're getting paid, but they're putting in a lot of hours. Um, 
in the process. <laughs> it was kind of fun though. I mean, we sit in the war room, right? And we're sitting down with, uh, we got whiteboards everywhere. We're drawing out exactly what it's going to look like. We're showing them, you know, every ounce of our idea because essentially you want your developer to feel as important to the company as the next person, right? Even though you're outsourcing it to them, you want them to understand every single thing um, within the company from payments, from process to obviously tech is their structure. So, and then, and then it's just iteration after iteration after iteration, constant communications back and forth. They're doing all the technology though. You guys are just the brains behind the, the vision. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, they, we get final say, but we obviously trust them. Uh, my partner though, Garrett has been super hands-on in the, um, I guess you could say the UX UI of it also, or the user experience, the user experience, or sorry, user interface. So he, um, he's kind of the the visionary of that. So if you like it or you don't like it, I guess I can just blame it on Garrett. Then. <laughs> and so what have you been, what has been your main focus, Tyler, throughout this whole thing? Yeah. So, I mean, at the beginning, right, there's just so many different steps that you have to do to, with legal and with idea and with how do we want this to work? How do we want that to work? So we essentially just got the whole blueprint together. Um, we've recently scrapped and started over our company, which was go train into access. So we've been dealing with, you know, the behind the scenes and the inner workings of that. Um, I am also really focused on our media drive and our um, onboarding of beta users. So I've wanted to take pride in, you know, making sure that I'm getting the people on the platform and I'm, showing them hey this is what we need this is what um we need back from you if you're going to be able to be a beta user our beta users are getting 97 percent of all profits so they're kind of making out like bandits on this one um but yeah i think when you're like the founder you have to do every single thing in the company it's not like really you're specializing on one aspect like you would have to wear every single hat so i mean i wake up there's a new task at hand every single day i guess you could say and I assume you've gone out into market and you've probably had several series, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, funding, several series of funding at this point. Um, so we did see, we did seed funding and we're about to close our round. Um, we are going to open up series. We're going to open up series A. We probably won't have to do it until December, maybe February of next year. It just depends on, you know, how long we make it stretch. But obviously our financial plan shows us to a T essentially. That's one thing you got to have, make sure you have like the perfect financial model because that paints the picture for the entire business. And then if once you guys launch, when it comes to customer service issues, mm. what is your guys plan for customer service? Yeah. So we're going to be going on a hiring spree pretty soon. Um, obviously companies like Facebook and Instagram, it's hard to contact anyone, right? If if your Facebook page for Optimal Life got taken down, like who do you reach out to, right? So we want to make sure that that, um, that doesn't happen. But yeah, you know, I, even looking at Robinhood or some of these trading apps, and I think they're getting better because they went public. But I remember when I was doing Robinhood a year ago and I had an issue, it took them several days to get back to me and it really bothered. I mean, that was, especially when you're talking about people's money uh -huh. and God forbid something where happen a glitch in the system one of your creators who's owed money and it's not coming you know what i mean they're going to want to have access to contact as well i think that that 24 7 support timely support is so critical these days yeah for sure no i mean there's nothing worse than not feeling like you're being listened to you just you're just left out on the island so we would never want to make people feel like that it's a great point 
give us uh this is super exciting listen the odds are that this thing is what are the odds can you guys be one of the few that actually pull it off can you guys ultimately catapult into this and become mainstream and that would be super cool if it, if it works out um how do you see this thing playing out over the next couple of years and where do you see access network ultimately being down the road right so i'm i'm the most aware human that 99 percent of all startups and all companies like this crash fail burn never you know never see the light of day so even just to get to this point and to the point of actually launching and people be able to download it no matter what happens after that i will feel like that's a win because i got to go and do something that most people don't do and i believed in myself and made it happen um i think that there's a couple of different avenues that this could go um it kind of depends on how technologies move forward in the future um i would love it though if we can try and make this a place where you know maybe a boxer instead of giving their fight to showtime right they're bringing their fight to access and access is building out that channel for them that can um you know withhold the hundreds of thousands of of subscribers and then the, the boxer would have you know bring it be able to bring in the majority of money to them instead of having to give it to big networks so I'm gonna try that, that's it. such a cool point I'm sorry to interrupt you instead of the pay-per-view model is what you're really talking about mm-hmm. and instead of them having to wait for a check from pay-per-view and get a small percentage and pay-per-view collects 80% of it whatever it is you're saying hey can we get this thing large enough where the creator themselves has the following the following comes here to watch the event and they pay probably a fraction of the price and the creator still making more money exactly interesting what else so, what else you got what else you see in that crystal ball <laughs> so i think that would be i think that would be a good one um i don't Where, how do you see like like when you think about the human behavior with the way that people use these social media sites do you see this becoming is this sustainable in terms of a long term? Is everyone in the world going to try to do this? Which may be okay. Um, is or is this is this something that's going to be? Who are the people that are going to be using this this app the most? Is is really what I'm uh, curious to see. And can the little guy ultimately end up making a living by doing this if they're consistent enough? Maybe. I think I think they could as long as they're putting their name out there in the other social media words. Unfortunately, you can't just download access and not broadcast it to the public that, hey, I'm doing this and you you should follow me here because obviously you have to be seen. Right. Um, I think our creatives, creators will understand that as well. But does this maybe what this does is incentivizes the creators to be more creative, put out more content on their other networks in order to grow that following, grow their brand so that they can take it over to access and offer that exclusive content. That's really mm-hmm. the model. Yep, I agree. I think mm-hmm. so. Um, then, you know, there's people, we've got a couple of buddies that are involved in the breath work, right? It's very hard for people in that sort of niche community to gain hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. But a lot of those followers, or a lot of those creators that say have 2,000 followers, those 2,000 followers, love them and would run through a wall for that creator right so the conversion rate you just pop that conversion rate up and it's still bringing you in more money even though you don't have a lot of followers but you're converting them and having a loyal fan base right right somebody that's doing bicep curls might have a hundred thousand followers but their conversion rate may be one percent 
And you have somebody that has 2,000 followers doing Wim Hof breath work, doing being an expert in their field, and their conversion rates 20, 30, 40%. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can see that, you can see how the little guy can still, you know, make his, make his money. Hey, man, this is uh, very insightful, very exciting, very exciting for you guys. I see your hat. You got the access. That's the, that's the logo. Um, for people that want to check it out online, I know we talked about it earlier, but tell us where, where they should go to, to learn more. Yeah, check out our website at accessnetwork.com. That's A-X-C-E-S-S network.com. Beautiful, bro. Hey, best of luck to you guys. Continued success. We'll be watching. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course. You could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member. Let them know about the podcast. And we will see you next time.